We're really excited, Linda and I, to be introducing to you our first guest, and this is Claudia McKenzie. She's a musician. She's a very, very well-known local artist in Cambridgeshire. And we've spoken to her before, haven't we, Linda? Yes, we have. We have. And she's great. She's part of uh, quite a posse of women musicians in the area. They all know each other. They all got on really well. And uh, we had them in the studio once before and it was just a hoot. It was a hoot. You're absolutely right. And at this present moment in time, we have been hearing a lot about the protests and the movements Black Lives Matter. And so this is quite a, an interesting part of Women Making Ways. And we were, as I said, we're very excited to to be able to talk to Claudia McKenzie. Claudia McKenzie is well known to anyone who attends gigs in Cambridgeshire. Claudia is the vibrant bass player whose colourful braids swing around as she dances and plays. I first saw her quite a few years ago at a music festival when she was playing with the band Split Whiskers and was immediately captivated by her stage presence, her energy and her obvious love of music. Thank you very much for joining us today on Women Making Waves, Claudia. Oh, thank you for inviting me. No, you're very welcome. You're on a long list of people that, you know, we, we're trying to drip feed musicians through, women musicians, because mm-hmm. quite a lot of you now. I'm really, really glad to hear because... It used to be mainly men, didn't it? And it was all a bit male-orientated. <laughs> <laughs> As is the music industry, but we are changing that. Yes, and that's good to hear. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about your musical background. When did you start being interested in playing instruments? I've been playing instruments all my life. My parents always had something knocking around the house, whether it was a recorder or a you know, an old battered guitar that didn't really work. So I was, I've always been kind of tampering here and there. I think I got to school and I think I decided that guitars were cool. So I started kind of getting into that and started to play rock music. And one of the things that you kind of find with a rock bands or people start trying to start rock bands is that everybody needs a bass player. Nobody wants to be a bass player. Uh, so I started, um, I started doing a lot of stuff with bass lots of people needed bass players and they just kind of exploded from there that's really interesting I was going to ask you why the bass um because actually I used to dabble with bass as well when I was younger I was terrible you're really really good at it I was absolutely dreadful but I thought it was an easier instrument to pick up because I only had four strings (laughs) how wrong I was (laughs) So, (laughs) so you basically started playing the bass because you were able to get into bands easier that way yeah, and um, and I went to a gig many years ago. I watched a good friend of mine, um, Lee Cave Berry, who's also another prominent female musician in the Cambridge music scene. And I looked at her and I thought, wow, she's cool. I want to yeah. be that cool. She is. So, <laughs> she's amazing. So um, I was very inspired to kind of not, and it was, it was not, not just about playing, but it was performing. It was like putting your whole being into the show. Claudia, who was your icons? Who were your heroes when you were growing up? Who were you listening to at the time? I think when I really started listening to to music and getting into things, it was kind of about the time that grunge was popular. And there was a lot of grunge music that was a bit easier to play. 
So, you know, that was kind of instant gratification. You pick up your guitar and you can play these chords. And so I was, I was really big into Nirvana and Alice in Chains and Soundgarden, all that stuff back in the day. And are your family very music orientated? Or I get the impression that there's guitars in the house, which there was nothing in my house that even resembled a musical instrument. So your family were very musical orientated? at all they were they were music lovers so there was always music around me there were so many different types of music around me you know there would be classical there would be country there would be gospel there would be metal there would be everything in my house I had such kind of a wide education in that in that respect do you have a favorite type of music Claudia is you know if you had if you had to pick one genre and never touch anything else what would it be oh i don't think i could ever touch one genre and nothing else but i am a huge fan of rock music um i'm a huge fan of the band queen you know i do so much of my life revolves around the rock scene it does but you're in loads of bands aren't you are you still with all of the bands that you were with before not so many i'm kind of i'm kind of focusing more but doing less so Fourth Labyrinth is kind of the, the big thing that takes over all my life and spends all my money. Um, <laughs> Giggle, who we must have been going for a good 15 years. <laughs> so that's, my, yes. that's the girly band. And I do a lot of stuff by myself as well. And, um, and you write music as well. You write your own yes. music. Yeah. How, how did that come about? Have you always done that? I've always done it. Sometimes it kind of comes and goes. And, you know, if I've got loads of kind of bass stuff coming up, um, with other bands then it, it sort of takes a back seat but I've kind of been doing it a bit more consistently kind of probably over the last kind of seven years or so. So what made you want to go from being in bands had you always decided that you were going to be a solo singer from the word go but the bands made it you know more interesting in the sense that you've got some experience and friendships and then suddenly you decided out you know I want to go and follow my own path now or was it someone saying to you come on Claudia it's about time? Um, I think it was always kind of sneaking up on me. I mean, the thing when I've been playing bass with bands, it's basically they tell you, you know, here's a song, this is what you learn, this is a gig, turn up here. And what the solo stuff does is it gives me 100% control over what I want to do. And I can write songs about things that are really stupid. I can go through lots of different genres if I want to. And nobody, nobody can tell me not to. And I quite liked after having so much time of being told what to do, but I was kind of enjoyed being able to, you know, I just turn up and do whatever. But yeah, I kind of enjoyed having that control over things. I know what you mean. <laughs> Susan yeah. looking at me going, yeah, she does. <laughs> control feet. <laughs> it's so true. Now, <laughs> we're friends on Facebook and I noticed um, something recently. There was, it was a post that you made that really jumped out at me because for, for the benefit of our listeners just for those that don't know you you're a black woman and the post you made seemed to be a real mixture of I don't know anger and exasperation and exhaustion actually you were talking about Black Lives Matter and you were railing against your Facebook friends you know the people that didn't get it uh, and it caught my eye because you don't normally make posts like that. <laughs> normally, you know, it's all fun. And, 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 but you were clearly really, really affected by that. Do you, do you want to talk about that, Claudia? Yeah, that was a pretty epic meltdown I had. <laughs> a pretty epic public meltdown, which for anyone that knows me, knows that was a completely, 
almost like a very out of character thing for me to do and say and I was actually quite surprised at how much of an impact I made because that is not something that I would normally do but it was kind of the result of probably many years of holding things in but um, something kind of triggered me a couple of weeks ago and I was actually reading a post and it's actually on Instagram um, and it was uh, by somebody who identifies an ally actually um the it was actually a post by adam lambert funny enough the guy who's um singing for queen at the moment um who is a white gay man and he was standing up for black lives matters and against racism and i i read this post and then i read all the responses everybody was just they were just trying to take him down and i know in his life he's got people just taking him down for other reasons but for him to then ally himself as an anti-racist and you know stick his head up and get knocked down that way and you know and after kind of the no- the uh, the news of george floyd which i can't i can't watch that video neither can i we all can't watch it no i can't do it no. um and i actually and for some reason something triggered in me and i just wanted to cry and I just kind of, and I thought, okay, I'm going to just switch off social media. And I just, just curled up that day and I couldn't talk to anyone because I knew it was just going to go. And, and I couldn't make sense of all of this stuff in, that was going on. And I thought, I'm going to just say something and it's going to be very ugly. And I just, I cut myself off of, of social media because I thought, I don't, want to, I don't want it to come out like this. It's going to be very horrible. So I did. And in the way that Facebook works, you, you leave Facebook along for a while and then it starts doing things without your knowledge. My other half sort of sent me a message saying, oh, so-and-so says, oh, you've blocked them on Facebook. And I was like, I haven't. I haven't even been on Facebook. So my, my friend was upset. So I thought, oh, let me go on to Facebook and see what happens. <laughs> so um, unfortunately, so it had put me back on the platform I was trying to stay away from. And then everything just came back and it just rushed out in the, the kind of, and it was, as you just reflected, Linda, it was anger, it was sadness, it was frustration, it was exhaustion. And it centered around an experience I had a couple, a couple years ago, which to be honest, I just thought I was totally over because it happened. Um, I blocked the person and what it was, um, he'd, I said, what I worry about when there's a protest, when something sparks a protest, I always think the most dangerous thing is the backlash. At the <laughs> beginning, everyone's like, you know what, this is awful. You know, people have been treated badly. You know, all, all, everyone's an ally for that moment for a couple of weeks. And everyone gets sick of it. Do you know what? There's people protesting. They're disrupting my lives. I, you know, I, I, wish, I just want to get back to normal. And it's the backlash that I think is the most dangerous part of it. And when I spoke out about Black Lives Matters before, somebody came up on my list and said, anyone that believes in Black Lives Matters should be lynched. <laughs> oh, my God. And oh. if that isn't the absolute worst, most unforgivable thing you could ever say. Every part um, of that <laughs> sentence was awful. Absolutely. And it was, and, I, and it was almost like a preemptive strike. I'm like, right, this is coming around again. And I know I'm going to start seeing this on my page again for people that I, you know, identify as friends on some level, you know, might be mm-hmm. passing mm-hmm. interest or, and I just got to the point of like, I can't do this again. I'm kind of the, uh, you know, kind of eternal happy people pleaser. So, you know, I don't, 
generally get involved with these things and if I see these things you know I was like okay whatever and I thought actually guys if if you are going to identify as my friend in any sense of the word and you have a problem with any of these things that I believe just like you need to go yeah I think you're right but you know when, when I read that post it was quite lyrical, actually. Some of the things that you said, you should you should look back at that at some point because maybe there maybe there are lyrics there. Because you said, "Do not counter with all lives matter. Yeah. Do not assume I don't get this, and do not tell me you don't see color. Don't tell me I'm just like everyone else. Don't tell me words are just words." I thought oh, that is a really powerful <laughs> thing to say. Actually, it was it it just stuck in my head, and I couldn't. And that, of course, was what. It preempted me to, to, to contact you and, and, and get, get you on here because when you're saying don't tell me I'm just like everyone else it, wh- why, why do you feel like that I'm just kind of wondering mm. there's another side that that actually quite hurts that people don't see so you've got the blatant racism yep you, that's very easy to see you know no one's disputing that but there's the other side where people think they've been really kind and friendly you know in their way and they're like, you know what, you're just like the rest of us, you know, come on, you know, it's, you know, you're just the same. And it completely erases my experiences. And, you know, I spend a lot of my time not really thinking about it, not wanting to think about it. But when I walk into a pub with a group of white friends, my experience is different to their experience. People are looking at me, people are wondering why I'm there. People may be looking at me in a hostile way. I've, I've played gigs where I've, somebody's caught my eye and I've actually been frightened. Doesn't happen very often, but I have to be aware of these things. You know, it's not something that I, you know, I obsess about every second of my life, but it is a part of my life. And for somebody to come and say, you know, I don't see color means, you know, you don't have my back. You don't recognize that actually I'm feeling quite vulnerable. I'm quite scared that somebody may be trying to hurt me. In, and you know it's just like you know I don't want I don't want to deal with all of this stuff so we're gonna we're all gonna kind of brush it away and I find that more hurtful because it's usually coming from someone that should be a friend or wants to be a friend and to be honest I'm I'm black I'm proud of being black I'm really happy if my friends are recognizing that I'm black <laughs> you know this is this is not something that I'm I'm ashamed of or afraid of and, of course not. And Claudia, I'd always say as well that when you said at the beginning that you had a meltdown, you know, I wouldn't say that was a meltdown. I thought that was a really brave and the right thing to do. And, uh, you know, meltdown to me means to say you're apologizing and I don't, you know, you're mm-hmm. not apologizing. But for me, it's not a meltdown. It was holding your ground and well, speaking up. Although the difficulty with that is it wasn't actually bravery. It just exploded out of me. It was it. It all was in there, and it just got to a point because I am always, you know, this is the sort of stuff I don't want to put out there because the backlash that I potentially put myself out to is not something I. I'm not sure I can handle. Mm. So I I keep all that stuff away, but it just it exploded out of me, and I just basically had to say, do you know what? I can't do this. Either you're with me or you're not. I get the impression that you'll probably meet, have more friends and new friends from doing that as well. Um, you know what? It's been a really strange, it's been quite emotional. I mean, I'm feeling quite emotional doing this, um, 
this interview and Linda got in touch with me I'm like okay that feels I actually said to Linda I said okay that sounds terrifying (laughs) (laughs) but I was kind of at the same time starting to think maybe this is part of you know me growing and being able to speak where I, I feel I've never been able to before so I felt that was an opportunity being kind of handed to me I think I think you're right I think and and it's it's you know thank you for talking to us about it Mm. because we are learning as well that's for us as as a white person it's really important for us to hear this and and when nothing is talked about but you receive it it's it's so dangerous not for us not to hear what you feel about these experiences it's fundamental so we can have racism but we need to talk about the racist experience so there's you know people say oh well i'm not racist well how do you know that it's it's bias it's cultural bias Mm. and i think for you to talk about it and for us to listen to it is mental i think and it's good And, and we thank you for talking about that i thank you for giving me the platform because i i honestly feel um, that something has shifted, something has changed. Yes. yes, people are, you know, where there should be the backlash. People are sticking with it. People mm-hmm. are speaking about it. People, I've had colleagues pulling me to one side and saying, "Are you okay?" You know, all this stuff that's happening in the world. How are you? I've had people I, I work with, young people I work with, uh, vulnerable people that are saying, "When are we doing something on Black Lives Matters?" I've had so many people sending me private messages to just talk about it as, you know, on top of all the responses to my, my threads. And I'm, you know, I'm quite overwhelmed. I have to kind of shut down sometimes just to to get my breath again. And what I need as a person to be able to kind of speak up is I need that confidence and that strength that as soon as I try and express myself, everyone doesn't knock me down. Absolutely. but do you think do you think that colours had, had had put any bars in the way of your life? Because you know I don't know you terribly well, but you come across to me as being really fun, really confident. You've got loads of friends, you know, lots of people. You're really good at what you do. You're on stage. You're giving it loudly. You, you just seem to be the epitome of success. Actually, I think I've been very lucky with the people I've had around me. And I've had so many opportunities, you know, from when I go and approach people, not everyone, you know, but you know, it probably works for everyone, um, you know, to people kind of contacting me and saying, do you want to play this? Do you want to, you know, really, you know, I got, I got invited to play at the Cambridge Folk Festival, which blew my mind. <laughs> you know, I, so you should, you're fantastic. Just, just people just believing in me people asking me to be in their bands and I'm just you know and I'm, I'm yeah I'm quite overwhelmed by so much at the moment and I'd you know I'd I'd quite like to kind of gain the strength to kind of take it further and be able to kind of you know use that voice for good and you know just get a bit stronger when when the people do kind of come back at me do you think that will be reflected now that you're going solo do you think obviously that will have an effect on how you write your songs. I suppose you say, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I have, I have a song that I, that I've written a while ago. That's in, it's just in the studio at the moment that actually says a lot of this stuff, uh, Mm. talks about my own um, experiences of racism and talks about 
you know, that concern about, you know, speaking out and people just not seeing the point of, you know, just get over it and, you know, why are you in this country? And, you know, and it's all in this song. Um, well, that's so, great. That's brilliant. Really... And that is exactly the way to, to get the message across and keep, mm. keep the message going as well. No, yeah. I, think, I think you're right. And I think this is a pivotal moment. And I think people are wakening up and going, actually, well, I've never thought I was racist, but yeah. am I? Am I without meaning to be? And with all the best heart in the world, am I just not understanding? And am I not yeah. listening? And that, yeah. that's half the thing, isn't it? And for people to be able to, I mean, it's a very difficult balance. I have, I have to be sort of careful with my energies because there is kind of one school of thought that really people should go and educate themselves um, and really it's not my job but there's the really soft side of me <laughs> that I would actually like people that are genuinely good-hearted and genuinely my friends that if they want to ask a question I'd quite like to be able to speak to people you know you know try and understand um, Sometimes people need that permission to do that because they're frightened of you being know. offensive. They're frightened um, of hurting, you know, and sometimes people just need that permission, actually. And this, and I, you know, and I think at the same time being kind of very expressive in my thoughts, I've probably scared a few people, but I kind of want to just like, you know, you're my friend. You are telling me that you are my friend. You're telling me that you understand the cause, that you don't wish to be part of it, but you're not sure about something. And I'd like you to ask me, yeah. say, what, yeah. why, why, why is this? Why is that? Why, you know, how do you feel about this? Can we have a discussion? So talking about discussions, Claudia, for younger generation, looking up to us, you, and not so much us, sorry, I meant you, but how would you, how would you advise them to, to move forward as well? So, you know, you've had your experiences. They are still experiencing this in the younger generation still, but how would you, get them to cope with it what would be your if we were going to go forward here um i think it's finding the people that the positive people uh, you know it's the process that i've had to go through the people that are supportive and will listen and let you feel confident the most dangerous thing is being shut down all the time and not being able to explore things um and it is the people that you know you say black lives matters and somebody goes shut up all lives matters it's like you know what we've had this conversation <laughs> you know and it's just and by saying that you know actually if someone's going to say that how about saying well, why why does that don't just shut it down with some comment that you've just rehashed from somewhere but yeah allowing supporting people making them feel that they're they're worthwhile on this earth that they're not a lesser person and you know i mean that's probably one of the things that i i hope to do i'll kind of look in because you know i already work with young people i already work with um people learning disabilities and that will be my way in to kind of have discussions um and empower people if i can i, I was going to ask you about that actually that, <laughs> that are you a teacher is that is that what you do in the day job <laughs> <laughs> so i work with um i work with adults with learning disabilities and autism um, and i also work with uh young people as well who are actually quite interested and um they're kind of more switched on and more aware of what's going in going on in the world than than i realize sometimes um mm. and sometimes you know it, it is quite interesting because 
I, I kind of live my life in various boxes. So my music is in one box. My work is in another box. The kind of stuff about myself and racism sits in another box. This already is a crossover. My company that I work for made a very strong statement about being anti-racist. Um, so there, there went my, my tears again. Because, <laughs> you know, I, I don't bring that stuff. To, you know, I, that's, that's in that box. So everything's kind of crossing over, but yeah, everyone is supportive and don't underestimate, you know, your platform yeah. as somewhere for people to talk and to get that message out. It's, it's really important. It's a really interesting point that you also made about listening and asking why we are talking about Black Lives Matters. As much as we know it is the most important thing that's come out of this. I went to a talk with one of the Black Lives Matters founders. And I'm not kidding you. I came out of that talk. It was at the Well Festival. I came out really uncomfortable as a white person for all the right reasons. All the right reasons that made me realize I had not realized, even though I thought I, I was <laughs> okay. But, you know, there's more to it. And so, and so I always think it's really interesting how we can ask you and you and you are very open about it but a lot of people don't want to for fear of i don't you know fear of lots of things yeah i think everything about this is uncomfortable i think maybe it needs to be uncomfortable for there to be any sort of change change yes you're right you know you're, you're right. safe or uncomfortable i'm uncomfortable yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know at the moment i'm uncomfortable most of the time um <laughs> you know that's it's kind of an you know they talk about the kind of there's you know the privilege to kind of step away from it and I was kind of trying to kind of sit in that privilege of staying away from it but you know I kind of walk out the door and oh black person bit hard to hide <laughs> so you know just realizing I don't have the luxury and you know that everywhere I go and the things that I do it's it's a factor Susie talked about kind of guilt earlier and kind of you know feeling that having to apologize and for myself it's that's been a battle mm. um because there's a part of me that's felt like i've not been able to speak out so i feel guilty about that mm. i had guilt over what i posted because i thought all oh, right i've made this all about me so i had to kind of work about that and then i had to come to the conclusion i have to work on me first yeah. to be mm-hmm. any use to anybody yes. else yes yeah. yes that's true just thinking about how we've learned to deal with this, I was just going back to uh, how were you when you first started performing, Claudia? Um, well, I've probably done it sort of through through school and yeah, I, I was just trying it. to think of when you. I always think that the Beatles always say, "Oh, I remember playing for the first time in Liverpool, and it was a magical moment." Was there a place where you thought, you know, no matter where we are, who we are, that that was a really, you know, was there been any particular area you thought? Actually, people are looking at for me and what I do. And there's, I thought I just I remember the first time that I came and did a solo gig, and I was terrified. And suddenly, the whole room was paying attention to me, just standing there by myself with a guitar. And you could have heard a pin drop. And I was just like, "Wow, you know, that's power." Yes. (laughs) You kind of, what do I do with this? I I can feel like I think my legs are going to buckle in a minute. I'm so terrified. Yeah, I've I've been really blessed in my musical life and you know, I've probably spent, you know, there's a lot of times where I've not thought so widely about race and um, I spent so many years playing on the blues scene. Um so you know, if you're an audience member coming to a blues gig and you're racist, you probably need to kind of have a bit yeah, of a you're in the wrong place. <laughs> so, uh, 
<laughs> so for that, I always felt quite safe. I figured, right, you're here. You've got some respect for the genre. So you must have some respect for the history. But, you know, I've done a lot of folk gigs recently. And, you know, the folk gigs that I've gone to, very white. <laughs> but I feel so, you know, I felt so loved and so at home. Yeah. And, you know, I've not felt, you know, everyone's come there for the music. And, yeah. You know, I've I never been aware back and yes yeah there's no ra- well I've never been aware of racism in a, in a folk audience no, <laughs> and I just I don't there. and I do I actually and whether this is right or wrong I don't think about it I just feel like I'm there as a musician sometimes I may I may kind of sing my song which I sometimes drops the mood in the room a little <laughs> <laughs> I think you should be writing more songs like that you know, really, I, it's difficult because, again, I think there's that part of me that wanted to kind of sit in the, the privilege of not having to think about it. So I've kept those parts of my life very separate. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've kind of always, you know, write, trying to write very happy songs or very positive songs. Um, but I did write a song where all of this stuff just came out. And again, I call it my room killer because um, <laughs> I, I, I played it in a room not expecting anyone to really react. And everyone's just kind of stopped and just looking at me and going, you know, and it's actually, it's not all about my experience. You know, it's, it's talked about kind of someone being, being attacked, someone feeling very ugly about themselves, bleaching their skin to try and fit in. And I've kind of had people coming up to me after the gig and saying, are you all right? <laughs> yeah, but I, that's, that's why it, the room is in silence, because you're making people think. Yes. I think that's, that's a really, really good Which thing. is really important. Yeah. I will, I, that is probably a way I will go. And, mm. um, you know, all yeah. these things that I, 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 you know, it's kind of all very well being able to kind of have a good elf facebook meltdown and throw all these things out but i i'd rather like it to come from a place of thought and not me reacting um because you know anger gives you power in a way yes but it's it's not it's not reliable it's not something you can control yeah but using using the thing that you're good at and the skills that you have which are songwriting and performing that that's Mm -hmm. a great way of doing you know you were saying earlier about doing a bit of channeling that and getting that message across but it is i'm just thinking i was talking to a scientist about six months ago and asked her about how she feels about you know people in the news racism and black lives matters and she said you know what sometimes i just want to not have to answer them the whole time about how i feel i just want to do what i want to do yeah and i i get the impression it's it's that you just said that you box some things in your life out but sometimes Mm -hmm. i think you've got to connect them and by using your songs as a way of explaining um enlightening people i think more enlightening people is it's got to be good, Claudia. Yeah, I agree. It's a good medium and it's, you know, proven through history to really kind of get messages across and connect people. And, you know, I, yeah. I really need to kind of work out how to use that for my for my for myself, really. And, and talking about uh, performing now, how are you going to take yourself forward when you've written these songs? How are you going to perform in this lockdown, social distancing life <laughs> that we're all leading at the moment? It's crazy world. <laughs> so at the moment, um, I've been trying to record an album for the last five years. And every year I said, right, this is going to be the last year I work on this. I'm going to finish it. 
Um, so lockdowns actually give me quite a, a good excuse to come and not get distracted and go gigging every weekend. So um, I'm uh, working with a bookmatch studios, um, brilliant guy called Tim Bond, who's helping me with it. And yeah, I keep sending them annoying messages because he, he, he's kind of doing some work for me kind of separately. And it's his birthday today, so I, I need to give him a rest. <laughs> so, I, I, yeah, so I'm going to hopefully get this album out this year and just really focus on that. I've kind of kept away from doing video gigs at the moment, but that may change. We'll see how it goes. Just, but I'm just trying to keep focused on the album. And of course, some of the some of the pubs, the venues that that we all know and love, the, the Flying Pig, the Portland Arms, they're struggling at the moment, aren't uh-huh. they? They they've been actually fundraising in order to keep going because they've still got to pay the rent to the breweries. Incredibly difficult, and it would be awful if we lose these Indeed. these venues. It's just such a way of life, mm. you know. I mean, the pub trade as it is is such a difficult one, but such a vital one mm-hmm. for communities. Yes. Yeah, the amount of people that I meet and connect with because of pubs, you know, because of the Flying Pig, because of the Portland Arms, um, because of, you know, other places, you know, the corner house has given me great. I'm going to miss some somebody out now and they're going <laughs> <laughs> to. Like oh, yes. There's loads of venues, aren't there, really? Yes, <laughs> like, I feel I shouldn't have started on that list because I've set myself up a, now. An, a non-exhaustive list there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and how, what plans have you got then? Are there any plans or are you still kind of in limbo at the moment, just waiting for things to open up? I've got a gig. <laughs> booked in Freckenham actually at the Golden Boar and I think they're hoping for that to go ahead as an outdoor event you know I mean it's kind of okay when if you're a pub that's lucky to enough to have the space just thinking of the drive-in the drive-in performances it seems to be the in thing now doesn't it yeah but then you've got kind of gigs and people what do people like to do at gigs they like to drink beer dance designated driver that's going to be an issue dance and then you've got the lose the the cues for the lose where everyone has to get out of their car <laughs> yeah it's ridiculous I, i'm sure someone's thought about this more than i have i, I don't know if it's men if it's men that are organizing it the loser yes. will be the last thing yes. on the oh, mind, like. yes. <laughs> that's a good point linda yes <laughs> i can just ask one more question if i don't mind just I, I often ask people this because when you have so many things you're doing you have so many hats on and you're doing so many things how do you manage your time it's something i find really difficult let alone someone like you claudia that has <laughs> your hands in a few little areas of uh, projects and work how do you manage it how do you do it all i just always have i mean the crazy thing at the moment is lockdown has actually it's given me more time because i haven't got the gigs i still work full time but also the other thing is i just moved house and we've kind of moved into a project so I, I live on the building site. <laughs> so, no. so enough, it uh, <laughs> makes it, it worse. <laughs> but it has given us, because everything else just stopped, it's just given us some time uh, to kind of just try and build a bit of a home underneath us. So that this kind of works in a bit of a way. So I've been on musical hiatus for a little while just so we could we get the house done. Well, I absolutely admire you. I really do. I think, yeah, you're doing so much and so good and love talking to you it's fantastic brilliant brilliant if anyone's interested in finding out more about claudia mckenzie you can go to the website iclaudiamusic.com and that's great as well i claudia i take it that's a play in i claudius that is that was my my solo all of my solo stuff is just i claudia 
Um, I can't take credit for that. Actually, it was Justine from the Flying Pig that came up with that. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's brilliant. As as Linda said, it's a really catchy name and it's great. Thank you so much, Claudia. It's been so good. Thank you very much for talking to us. Thank you. Claudia McKenzie talking to Susie Thorpe and I.